Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast from San Jacinto Assembly of God in Amarillo, Texas. If you'd like to know more about our church, visit us online at www.sjag.church. Now here's this week's message. Got your Bibles with me this morning and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Starting with verse 12, it says, Furthermore, when I came to Tross to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, because I did not find Titus, my brother. But taking my leave of them, I departed from Macedonia. Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God we speak in the sight of the Lord. That last verse just this illustrates that Paul says, I'm going to preach the Word of God. It's not to make a profit off of it, but I want people to know about Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, this morning we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in this house. We thank you for your presence here through worship and praise this morning and also in the time of prayer and giving. But Lord, as it comes to this moment of the Word being shared, we pray also, God, that you would just open our hearts to receive it. And Lord, not only to receive it, but to stir us, God, into action for your namesake, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I'm going to ask you, have you ever been torn up about something that, uh, that you were doing or something that was going on, that, that thing that you love, so torn up that, that you couldn't even actually do that very thing that you love to do so much. You just had something in your life that just you had so much concentration on, it took the joy out of doing that thing that you even love to do. And, and, you know, even to the point that you really didn't even want to continue doing that thing because of what was happening and the things or circumstances that might have been in your life and that thing that was going on. You know, in verse 12 through 13, we find something unusual going on in the Apostle Paul's life. I think we would all agree this morning that the Apostle Paul loved preaching the gospel of Jesus. He loved sharing the, the message of the cross of Calvary. You'll find in many of the epistles, he'll just express how he loved to preach nothing but Jesus. Even when they sent him to Athens and, and, and more or less insinuated, hey, we want you to go there and be just kind of chill for a little while. Paul found himself, couldn't handle that. He was preaching the Word of God before we knew it. And so we know it was in his bones. It's like Jeremiah says, you know, I tried to be quiet, but it was like fire in my bones and I just had to preach it. That was Paul's personality. Paul wanted to preach Jesus. Wanted to say something about the Lord. You know, it... In the verses we read, though, listen to what the Word is speaking. Paul went to preach the gospel in Troas, and, and, and God had opened a door for him to do so, yet Paul departed to Macedonia. This is a very strange thing for Paul to do. 
Paul had a door open for him to preach, and we know that there was many places that he preached, that he was beaten and, and different things, and, and God had opened a door for him to preach, yet he chose to go into Macedonia because something was bothering him. And we know that he had been stoned and drugged out of the city's preaching. He had been locked up in, in, in more than one jail because he's preaching the Word of God. Yet here it says God had opened a door and yet he departed. He departed. Even though a door was open for him to preach. Can I tell you this morning, even the greatest of Christians struggle inwardly and struggle to do what God has called them to do every now and then. Even the greatest of Christians, they, you don't get past that. You still have those struggles of doing what God's open, and, and, and you're still, you still have things going on into your life that kind of sidetracks you every now and then. I mean, you know what I'm talking about this morning. Those things that just overweigh you, that takes the joy out of the very thing you like doing the most. And we find Paul, this is the interesting passage of Scripture for Paul, We find that Paul says he had no rest in his spirit. No rest in his spirit. This is a great man of God, but he was still having turbulence in his spirits. He had something going on that was, had his, his attention, it had grabbed his attention, and it was something that was there when he went to bed, and something when he got up, it was stirring inside of him. We've all been there. And this was happening to Paul. And he said it was because he did not find Titus. Now listen, there's a little more to the story than not just finding Titus. And it reveals why Paul did not have rest in his spirit. But it also reveals a little bit about Paul himself. The truth is he was waiting to hear a report that was concerning his first epistle to the church at Corinth. And he is waiting to hear how that profited that church. He is wanting to know what had happened because the church was in, in dire need. It was in a, in a bad situation. And Paul wrote that, that first letter, 1 Corinthians, trying to address the issue. And Paul was just anxious about what I wonder how my letter went. I wonder if they received the word. I wonder if it helped correct some of the problems. Can I tell you, if you're looking at anything with Paul, you're looking at a man that had a pastor's heart. He had a pastor's heart because he was part of planning that church. He was part of ministering to that church. And when it wasn't going well, it had him tore up. How many of you had somebody that you led to the Lord or somebody that you mentored and you see them get off a little bit and it just grabs you. You can't even enjoy life because you see where the road they are headed down. Come on, some of you have got some kids. Some of you have got some grandkids that, you, that have, have got your mind. And this is what's happening to Paul. I, I can tell you as a pastor, I've been here many times. Pastoring the church. It truly shows <coughs> Paul had a heart for the people. He wasn't just out there peddling the gospel. He actually had a heart for the people that he was preaching to. And it's interesting because we find him here. He's in the midst of this telling the situation, talking about how he had no rest in the Spirit. And then we come to verse 14, 
it seems he changes his direction as leading into that verse. He, he now gives a shout out to God. He gives a shout out to the Lord in verse 14. Scholars will tell you <coughs> that he was rejoicing the news that he had received from Titus. Somewhere along there, it doesn't tell exactly when it happened, but he was rejoicing in the news that he had received from Titus. Listen to 2 Corinthians 7, 13. It says this, And therefore we have comforted in your comfort, and we rejoice exceedingly more for the joy of Titus, because his spirit had been refreshed, had refreshed, been refreshed by you all. If you can imagine all this, all this uneasiness in his spirit, and he had this going on, and then he finds a report, he hears from Titus, he, he meets Titus, and all of a sudden he says, oh, praise be unto God. How many have been there? You know, you have a breakthrough moment, and you have that moment, things are this, and then all of a sudden God shows up, and you think, hallelujah, praise our God and King who's able to do all things. And this is what Paul is at. He has that moment. It seems like he gets off that direction, but he addresses why in chapter, in chapter 7. Not only did they receive his letter, but also implemented his demands and helped and took his instruction and it brought peace into the church. All that worrying for nothing. I know I've been there before in my life. I worry, 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 and think, my word, God had it all this time. All that worrying for nothing. You know, we can get into that habit, but sometimes we've got to trust God. You know, as with many, you know, as, as with many circumstances we go through, they become a learning experience for each one of us. They become a learning experience. And Paul had one of those moments when he heard the report from Titus. When he heard the report that the church is going to listen to the letter and the church is going to implement the things that he had asked them to do. And he had one of those moments when he said, My word, God is taking care of it. He had a learning experience. How many nights have you wasted? How many nights have I wasted worrying? And that in, in the Bible, if I remember, says all the worrying can't change a thing. Is what it says. But he had a learning moment. And just as with many of us, when we have that learning moment, we share what we've learned in those moments. We take what we've learned. Some of the older folks have been through things and they'll say, let me tell you what I learned in this situation. I mean, you remember your mom, your dad, or maybe a granddad or a grandmother telling you, let me tell you what I've learned in this situation. That meant they went through it, and they learned something about it, and they're sharing it with you. Just as you and I will share when we go through a situation, I have conversations with Oliver quite often, and say, well, let me tell you what I learned through this. He says, Pastor, I already know it. Now, but we have those moments that we do that, and Paul's at that moment in his walk, he had been concerned. He had unrest in his spirit. He couldn't get so much so that he couldn't even preach. He says, and he loved to preach. 
But he had a learning moment when he got the news from Titus, and this is what he gives us in verse 14. And I want to look at that just for a few moments this morning, what he shares with us that he learned. I mean, you know, sometimes we do what you can do and leave the results to God. Isn't that hard to do? You do what you can do and you leave the results to God. And, and Paul's having one of those learning experiences. First, there's the first thing that he learns in what he speaks of in verse 12, he says, Furthermore, when I came to Troas, not verse 12, verse 14, now thanks be to God who has always pleased us in triumph in Christ. That's an interesting statement. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. He says, and, and basically said, we are chosen diffusers for the gospel. How many of you today use a diffuser in your house? I have one. I have one that is sitting there by my bed, and I'll put uh, different oil, eucalyptus oil in there. I love that eucalyptus oil, and, and it helps clear my sinuses while I'm sleeping and fills the whole room up. It's just magnificent. But my wife doesn't like that odor. But I put it in there anyhow. I have one in my office that Stephanie gave me, and I'll use different oils in that thing, and it'll just make my office feel, you know, if I'm just feeling a little down, I'll put something in there. She's got a, 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 a whole book on, on essential oils for every need. And, but it, it, it really, it fills the room up. And, and so when we talk about a diffuser, it's talking about, you know, something that's out there, that we are those, We're, we are there. We, we bring forth this, this odor, this smell of the Lord, and and. You know, in this passage, Paul says we are always triumph in Christ. And he seems to say it's with, with enthusiasm, just as much as he said at the end of Romans 7. How many of you remember Romans 7? He says, well, I do that which I don't want to do and all that. And he comes down at the very end of that thing and he starts talking about how Christ gives him the victory. He starts talking about what and he, his mind focuses back to Christ and how Christ can help him. When he says in verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so do it with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with flesh the law of sin. In this verse, when we look at verse 14, Paul describes the Roman triumph. Talking about a military leader, he's, he's went out and defeated the enemy, and now he's bringing the enemy, not only the enemy, but he's bringing the soldiers that helped get the victory, and they are sharing the victory, and they're marching down this, this, this uh, street or this, this uh, road, and they've got uh, uh, scents and, and different things burning, and, and that aroma that's coming off those different scents that they're burning is, is a smell in the air, and to some of those that are smelling that, that means that they have victory, and the ones that are being bound that are, have been held captive, it's a different smell that means something different to them because they have just been defeated. So Paul, in his imagery of his mind, he's speaking of this win of the battle, and he says, praise be unto the Lord Jesus that always gives us the victory, and he talks about us going with Jesus Christ down that road of victory and the smell, the aroma that's in the air and to us it means life and to the others it has a different meaning. It's what he's speaking of in this chapter and what he's trying to express. And he says, my victory is always found in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you something this morning is that we always need to be focused on the fact that our victory is in Jesus. 
Amen? Our victory is in Jesus. I was reminding, uh, reminded of this passage when I was writing this Friday afternoon. And you know, listen what the Lord told the disciples in Luke 10, 18 through 20. He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give to you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, but the spirits that, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your name is written down. Come on, folks, if, we, if we're going through a difficult time and Paul's starting to realize that his joy is in the fact that his name is written down, there's nothing more greater than to enjoy the fact of knowing that you're going to heaven, I'm going to heaven, and, and, and no matter what's going on and, and how people receive what we preach, it still is this, my joy is in the fact that I have been saved and I am born again, I got a hope, I got a future, my word I even got a mansion hallelujah because my name is written down in glory hallelujah and sometimes we lose focus on that because of what's going on in our life in this world you'll have tribulation and trials he says my victory in my triumph is always in the Lord and then the next thing in that same passage in verse 14, I thought of this, my job is to diffuse the gospel. That's what I'm supposed to do. You know, if you've been in church long enough, and, and I know you've heard it more than once from me, if you've been in church long enough, you've heard the Great Commission quoted more than once. Can I tell you, he has not done away with the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18, and it says this in verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the earth. Amen. How many know what amen means? So be it. So be it. Our vision statement for our church Lines up with that. It says connecting, teaching, and engaging all people, all ages for Christ. It has that same meaning of going forth and connecting, teaching, and reaching, and engaging. I'll get it right. All people, all ages for Christ. That's talking about fulfilling the great commission of this that God has given us as a church. Well, what does this look like? What does it look like going and, and, and being that? Mark 16, 19, and 20 gives us an ideal of it. It says this, So then after the Lord had spoken to them, He was received up into heaven and, and sat down in the right hand. And listen to what they did. They became diffusers. They went out and preached everywhere the Lord and the Lord working with them and confirming the word through accompanying signs. Amen. What did they do? They went and did what the Lord told them to do. They went out and preached the word. Where? Everywhere. They were diffusion of the gospel going out. They were spreading the aroma out of Christ Jesus. They listened literally to what the commission was, and the same commission is for you and I, and even for St. Jacinta, Assembly of God. We are to let that aroma go forth and speak 
the name of Jesus. You know, being a diffuser places us in distinctive position between God and the lost. This is another thing that we must realize that Paul wrote here in this moment of sharing with us. Can I tell you this morning that we are the only saving fragrance on earth? Come on. We are the only saving fragrance on earth. The scripture says we are to God the fragrance of Christ. Listen to what it says there, that we are the, to God the fragrance of Christ. In verse 15, for we are, we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We, who, the church, is the fragrance of Christ to those We literally are God's choice to share the gospel. Nobody else. We are literally God's choice to share the gospel. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, on down in there, Paul even comes a little deeper into this ideal. He speaks of this. Not all things are of God who has, now, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He did not give this ministry to the government. He did not give it to our school. He gave it to us individually and He's given it to the church that we are reconciling them back unto the Lord. We are the aroma of Christ to those that are perishing and to those that are being saved. It's up to us. It's time, church, this morning that we realize and accept the fact that we smell more like Christ when we open our mouth and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. We smell more like Christ when we open our mouth and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, that's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to diffuse. That's what we're supposed to let come out. It's the aroma of the gospel of Jesus. It's what changes people's lives. It's what changed your life and my life. It's somewhere I picked up on the scent of the gospel of Jesus Christ and I liked it. Hallelujah. I like it, my word. I got some that I put in my little uh, diffuser and I like those scents. But there has never been one that has spoke to me quite as much as the aroma of Christ that got shared with me by Jim Wilson on a Friday night as he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that aroma, I said, I've got to have it. Hallelujah. We are the diffusers that will change people's lives. It's the gospel of the message of Jesus Christ that changes people. Come on, we've, we've looking too much into programs. We're looking too much into a lot of other things. It's the gospel that still does it. It's the gospel that still touches people's lives. The simple message of Jesus Christ goes out and it changes people's lives. This coming Saturday, Tanya, we're going to put that aroma on the parking lot. Can you smell it? Oh, hallelujah. It's going to do a work in somebody's life. Hallelujah. It's when we open our mouth, we smell like our Lord. Hallelujah that aroma of Christ coming out because that's 
what God has chosen us to do. Paul makes another observation in verse 16 about that fragrance. The gospel or that aroma will affect people differently. Now, I've already jumped. Sometimes I jump way down in my notes without wanting to in my preaching, but I've already told you that my wife does not like that eucalyptus oil. And I'll tell you why. If y'all haven't quite noticed yet, I'm, I'm usually pretty tight. Meaning I, I don't like to spend a bunch of money. And some of those little bottles of essential oil can be like 35 bucks. I found that you can get some cheapies in other places. And I found, though, also, they don't smell quite as good as those high-dollar ones. And, and Stephanie knows they probably don't do nearly good. And sometimes, here's something else we need to understand. It is the unadulterate message of the gospel that does something in people's life. Amen? But when I put that, that stuff in the, in, going on in the bedroom, that, that aroma, Robin lets me know she don't like it. I'm going, hey, it's okay. You're saying, well, you should listen to your wife. She puts some on every now and then. But the fact is, it's the same thing. We look at, again, I remind you that while they were marching in the victor's parade that, and were smelling that same aroma of that fragrance that was being left out or put out on those streets, it had a different effect on different people. It meant something different to these people. And Paul explains it in verse, uh, verse 15 as we look at it. To the captive, it meant death. To those in the victory party, it was life. The message of Christ has the same effect on people. Aroma of death leading to death. Have you ever smelled a candle or essential oil perfume that you did not like? I have. I've, I've, I've went by Oliver's office a couple of times and said, what is that? Come on, you're, you're messing up the whole environment. Of course, here I am again. I put whatever I want on in my office. <laughs> but it's hard for us to believe this or understand it, but sometimes the gospel is received that way, and we don't need to get out, bent out of shape about it. It's just that they don't like the smell or the aroma of Christ. We need to understand this, and this is what Paul was coming up and understanding, the fact that you know, he didn't need to be worrying about the Corinthians. If they loved the aroma, they would accept what he had to say. If not, they would reject it. Because the gospel does not smell well to some. See, the message was preached, and it can be rejected just as easy. They heard the message of life as a dead person rejected it. Now they will experience the second death unless they return to Christ. That second death that's mentioned in Revelation chapter 2. And I tell you, and we also I need to understand this, they were condemned before we preached the gospel. And I know that sounds rough, but that's what the Word says in John 3, 18. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Can I tell you something? I don't need to condemn those that are not following God. The Word of God says they're already condemned. I was condemned before I got saved. I know that the sin's there. And we got, well, you're going to go to hell, all that. I'm going to tell you, they are already going that direction. I don't have to voice it. I don't have to be mean. 
My job is not to be mean. My job isn't to condemn. My job is to share the aroma of Christ that possibly could change their direction. But if you're like me, if someone gets in my face and tells me something, something, I'm saying, well, whatever you think, you get the opposite results of what you're wanting. And so we find that to some, that aroma. I can tell you people that I have shared the gospel with and, and I can't tell you the replies I got back on this plat- platform of what they said. And I thought, you really don't want to talk that way. But to some, the aroma of Christ is not pleasing unto them. Here's the thing. When we present the message in a loving way to the lost, we have done our job. We've done our job. Doesn't mean we don't quit praying because sometimes, how many of you know that some people here at the first time don't get saved, but later get saved? We don't give up. We keep praying. We keep praying for them and we keep, keep going and, and waiting for that opportunity that God will change their heart. To the other aroma of life leading to life. I'm, I'm going to hurt. We heard some amazing testimonies at General Council this last week from people. And it came from people that came out of different dead religions. Religions that they had been taught when they were young. And it was Hindu and a bunch of other different religions. And and they talked to how they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it literally was an aroma to them that spoke life. It was aroma to them. The message says you don't have to, you don't have to worry about it, uh, trying to be the best you can be and trying to make it to heaven maybe. But they heard that Jesus Christ, the loving Son of God, died for them and that you can have life and not only life now, but life abundantly in heaven and God will touch your hearts. Oh, it's, you know, and they're, they're saying it in broken English and, and how God changed their heart. I'm going to tell you they had excitement about what Jesus done in their heart and it changed their life. Why? Because the aroma came out of a diffuser that God had paid and it came out and changed somebody's life in the simple message of Jesus Christ. And it was a blessing for me to hear that. Changed who they were. They were so excited that they'd heard and accepted. And and one of the ladies, I believe she was so thankful that she heard the message of Jesus Christ. Oh, we sell ourselves short. This gospel. And I loved it when they say and they confess that now their present life was much better and their life in the future was certain. You know, John 10.10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. And I have come that they may have life (coughs) and life abundantly. Paul is just saying this. We are the vessels that God has chosen to put the aroma of Christ in and we are to diffuse that aroma. Man, now someone thought I had come up with a new anointing oil. Old Spice. One of my grandmothers gave this to me. I had one died in 80, I believe 86. The other one died in 94, so you know how old this thing is. Inside this bottle is an aroma. 
Now, I don't know if it smells like the original, but it's been there a while. But how many of you have ever had a little bottle of cologne? You, you go in those uh, places and you test, and you can just kind of have a hint of the smell of what's inside. There's not much hint here. But I'm going to tell you, that little fragrance that you feel, it's, it's almost like you and me. The way we treat people is a hint of what's inside of us. Come on. The fragrance that they smell has an identification of who's inside of us. And it may just be that little smell. And you've had people, maybe you've experienced this, what makes you different? Guess what you get the opportunity to do? Because they smelt just a little hint of Christ, that aroma being diffused. And, and, and my, my diffuser in there every now and then, it, uh, it plugs up, so I'll have to clean it so it can really get out to the whole, everybody. And, and, so it's a, and, and so when they start to ask that, it's the way we live our life. We get that, it kind of opens the door. It's almost like the scripture of the Lord saying, let your light shine. And you kind of smell it. You know, and when you take this off, when they smell that, then you have the opportunity to take the lid off. Oh. Still smells good. <laughs> and then you have this aroma that will go, and you can take it a little bit. And I'm not going to do it because i got other cologne on at the moment. Yeah, what? we'll do it anyhow. Okay. But you can start to smell that. But listen, this thing, I, I, it's about that full. Back when I first got it, I would take that off every now and then. And I'd put some on. And then I'd put that lid back on. And I would take it off and put some lid back or put some back on. How many of us, when we first get, uh, got saved, that we, we, we shared the gospel a little more than what we do today? And, and, and now we got the lid on and, and we've got it still bottled up inside of us, but we haven't sat there and let it be diffused among those that are around us. Oh, they say something's different about you. Yeah, I just love life and all that. It's a perfect opportunity to take the lid off and be a diffuser that God would have you to be and let the aroma of Christ go out into their, into their lives and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Amen. Come on, there's not a, a more precious fragrance on earth that will change people's lives than the gospel of Jesus Christ. But my friend today, you want to heal America, this is what the church needs to do. And start letting the... Just, just trust God with it. That's what Paul was saying. Oh, praise God who gives us the victory and their triumph. Just trust God with the gospel. Because you know why? He's chosen you and me, all of us in here today, to be that person that can diffuse that out that will change people's lives. If I pour this all over David, he's going to have it. That smell for a week. But I'm going to tell you today, we need more of this opening up from us. Amen? We need more of the gospel. It's the gospel that changes people's lives. And what gives us the opportunity many times is the way we live our lives. The way we treat people. The way we treat our neighbors. We need to have that opportunity for that. You say, well, pastor, I'm not, I'm not qualified. Yes, you are because God has chosen you. He's chosen every one of us. We're qualified. Paul says this in this verse, 
verse 16, and I'm just about done. He says, and who is sufficient for these things? Who is sufficient for these things? How can we take something that's so precious? Who is sufficient and able to do that? And sometimes we look at ourselves and say, I'm not able. How can I do that? How can I do this? Because, God, you've trusted me with this, and I'm so nervous about it. How many get nervous when you go to share the gospel? Just a couple of you. Oh, Brother Dave got it. And we get nervous and, and, and we're thinking, I am insufficient. I'm not able to do that on my own. And Paul says, who is sufficient to, to let that aroma go out and change people's lives? i got an answer for you. Pastor, if you'll come. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 4 and 6. Listen to what he says. And we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Do you hear what Paul said in the previous chapter? He says, who's sufficient to do this? And he says, nobody, basically, but our sufficiency comes from God. And you know what this is? Be prayed up and be filled up and be ready to share the aroma of Christ because entrust God with it and let God do His work. Paul gave God the glory for his preaching. He gave us the glory for what he did in 1 Corinthians, or not 1 Corinthians, but the church of Corinthians. He gave God the glory. He says, it's not me. Man, when we get, we get that in our heart, in our mind, that, hey, all I know is I'm supposed to let this aroma come out. And the way I'm going to do it is with God's making me sufficient to do it. You say, well, I don't have a, a story like so-and-so. I'm going to tell you, the story you got is sufficient. Amen? I mean, no, the greatest thing that ever happened to you is when you got saved. That's enough. You may not have this. Well, God found me over here in the gutter, wherever it may be, and He took me, and He sent a man all the way from Africa to reach me in America, and whatever that may be. You may not have a story like that, but I'm going to tell you, your story is sufficient. How do I know that? Because God has said He will make you sufficient. You say, well, I can't preach the gospel. I'm going to tell you what you can share will be sufficient. If you can just share the basics that Jesus died because we were all sinners. He went to the cross of Calvary. And on that third day, hallelujah, He came up from the grave. Hallelujah, set us free. That's all you need. Well, I don't got the charisma as some. You don't need it. You just need to know that God has given you the sufficiency to do what God's called you to do. See, when we lean on the Lord, His Spirit is going to do the work. He's already working on that person before you open your mouth. Amen? And then we just need to let the aroma. How many believe there's nothing greater than the message of Jesus? Ah, oh, there's nothing that can change life like the message of Jesus. I've had a lot of uh, 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 good news in my life, but the greatest news is that Jesus saves. Amen. We've got a message. Hallelujah.
that changes people's lives. Ah, to be that diffuser. To take the lid off. Come on, we need to take it off daily and let that get around so it still has that little bit of hint what's in us. And then we need to share the gospel of Jesus. I heard a story one time that these guys commuted to work. Every day. And the guy, one guy was a Christian and the other one wasn't. And the guy knew there was something special about it because he didn't have stories of going out late at night and all that. He just had a pleasant attitude, a pleasant this. And, 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 and then he passed away and the guy says, I always knew there was something different about him. But that guy that was always doing the good thing and all that never shared one time in that car the gospel of Jesus Christ to that guy that needed Jesus. Come on, I'm just saying we gotta gotta share it. That's what we're supposed to do. You don't have to force it. Come on. God will time it for you. But we need to be what God has designed us to be. Amen. Everybody stand with me this morning. say this morning God has chosen me to be the aroma of Christ to this world to be the aroma of Christ to those that are being saved and to those that are lost who? us each one of us how many would join with me this morning also just to pray God give me the opportunity to share that word with somebody how many have a loved one that needs the Lord? Amen. You know what I found? Sometimes the loved one won't accept it from me, but I can pray someone to come around to them. Amen. If we all accept our responsibilities, you don't know if that person you're fixing to share the gospel with, that their family's been praying, but they won't listen to the family, but you're going to be the one they're going to listen to. Amen. But the thing is that we accept the responsibility to share and let that aroma of Christ go out to people's lives. And it's not my responsibility. I mean, whether or not they receive it or not, that's the Holy Spirit. My responsibility is just to share it. Share it in a loving way, not a condemning way, but a loving way that people know what it is to be saved. Amen. And let God do the work and leave it in His hands. Sometimes, I don't know about you, how many were stubborn when you got saved? I, I can name all of them. No. A little seed here and a little seed there and a little seed here and then one day God waters it all the way up. But is that a Roman that changes people's lives? Would you join with me? Say, God, Help me to be that person that will diffuse that aroma out of Christ into this world.